This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Coaches, thanks for coming. Uh, be remiss if we didn't welcome Sharon to the show as well. Sure, uh, thanks sure. for coming. Yeah, if you're curious who's next to Coach Rolovich, that is that an amazing animal right there. And thankfully, hopefully it doesn't come alive. Um, but we've all, been, uh, we've all been living a different life as of late. And I want to take these 15 minutes and dive into things that just happened from the spring meetings, but also what's going on in everybody's real life. So when I was preparing for this, I was like, wow, two of you guys grew up with fathers who were coaches. And Coach Rolovich, your dad was a firefighter. Yeah, And they all mentored you in different ways. I'm curious for each of you, and Coach Shaw, I'll start with you, but how have you taken the principles from your dad that you learned from him as a coach and applied them to now leading all these young men during this really unique time in their world and everybody's really around the globe? Well, that, I mean, I could take the whole 15 minutes. I'll be very quick. <laughs> uh, my dad, before my first internship, before my first job in, in football, just said, you know, and just basically be yourself. And that's the advice you give all the time. But what I, what I learned, what he was really talking about was in order to truly engage with your players, for them to listen to you, you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself. You have to be honest. You have to be open. You have to be accessible. Um, for all of those years that he coached and I watched all these guys 20, 30 years come back to him and thank him for the influence they had both in their, their football lives and their non-football lives. Um, it's because he was real. He's he's real with them. He was honest with them. He's open with them, and that's the thing I take into everything. Which is, I'm not going to try to be like somebody else, uh, uh, but I'm just going to be myself, and I'm going to be who who I need to be to reach my players and know that they can they can always talk to me and and take some constructive criticism. At the same time, I'll be the first to celebrate with them. Excellent, Coach Helton. How about you? During this time, how have you leaned on some of the things you've seen? Yeah, you know, Dad was a tremendous relationship builder. Uh, he knew how to coach guys really hard, but also loved them along the way. And he always uh, told me the importance of building those relationships and building that trust. And, you know, how do you build trust? He taught me to build trust, one, through a man's character, two, being competent and knowledgeable in what you do to help develop young men, three, show them care and concern. And then four, be honest with them at all times. Be brutally honest to help them grow and, and let them know to be coached is to be loved. So the relation aspect of the game, I think, is, is critical, especially in today's time. Right now with what we're going through, they got to know that you care. Excellent. Coach Rollo? Yeah, my dad was a fireman. He taught me well, – one of his sayings was, never eat soup in the rain, you'll never finish, which has been good advice moving forward. Um, the other thing he always says was, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. It got me into visualization. And, and really, if you put your mind to it, you can, you can make some stuff happen. So, Yeah, that's well said. I, I think it's been masterful just connecting with different coaches in this conference and your staffs of how you've been making sure your guys are right mentally because they're not next to you. Like this sport, we're always around each other. So for Coach Shaw, you've been in this conference for a while now. You weren't around your fellow coaches at the spring meetings. 
What was that like if you gave us some insight into those meetings? And then coming out of it, everybody has the same question. Like, when are we going to play? Like, what, what were the discussions like? Because I'm sure they were broad and in-depth around that thought. Well, I think Woody Dixon's done a great job of leading and guiding uh, a lot of different conversations we've had to have, both with our coaches and then with our working group that we have. And um, what I love about our conference, honestly, is our engagement. Our guys can talk to each other. Um, there's a lot of mutual respect. There's a lot of guys coming from a lot of different angles and things that I come in thinking one way and then Clay brings something up. I'm like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And um, Chip Kelly brings, hey, think about this way. And so I think we've got a really group of guys that first of all love the sport and want the sport to be played at a high level and there's a lot of mutual respect to say that gosh if we can all find a way to get back let's all contribute to a way to get back at some point in time so um, I think our, our meetings have been very productive and I think we've all given and we've all learned a lot um, I think we're, we're in a good position right now to handle whatever happens as far as national and local governments say and our, all of our individual schools but um, I think our conversations have been really, really good. We've got a lot of bright guys, a lot of great ideas, and hopefully we put ourselves in position to handle whatever comes our way. Yeah, totally agree with that. Coach Halton, um, we were told that you guys were able to talk to a doctor from the University of Washington, I believe, and they talked about the testing and the protocols, like when we are able to, if able to, to get back together. What did you learn about that? And what can you share about that reality if it comes to be? Yeah, the, the one thing that uh, I was very appreciative of is how much care and concern foremost is going into the student athletes and, and the staff members of when we do get the opportunity to report back that the number one priority is the health and the safety of those that are involved. And that's what I took away um, from the amount of detail from testing to being able to have secure environments to be able to meet to practice and all the meetings that are being had it was just an unbelievable wealth of knowledge um, that was being thrown at us and it, and it also shows you how grand a scope and how big a project um, that this is going to be uh, as we uh, get back into that safe environment so you know i i walked away from it going wow um, there are some brilliant people uh, that are really diving into this, that are formulating a plan, uh, and just an appreciation that the health and safety of our student athletes is priority one. Yeah, no, it's fascinating just to hear about like all the layers to this thing. I mean, it's not as though you could show up on campus and then just go play. Uh, mm -hmm. Coach Rollo, I'm sure you hoped that was the case when you became the head coach, but you haven't had a ton of time around your guys, but you were able to get to know them a little bit early on when you were there. How have you been able to stay connected? Because you've gone through tragedy. You had a player and his family, uh, Renard Bell, went, had COVID-19. Curious the, the ways in which you've been able to do that. Well, as much as we can through Zoom, but it's really allowed us to focus on those personal relationships. We can't do a lot of football stuff. I mean, we could install some, some but it's more about – it gave us real time to concentrate on getting to know who our guys are and let them figure out who we are as people. And, you know, I think it's been productive and just excited to get on the field when we can. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. Uh, Coach Shaw, scenarios, like we read about a lot of them. What are the processes that you guys went through in those meetings about talking about, okay, perfect world. We're back tomorrow. Unrealistic. Shorten season, push season. If you can glean some insight into the scenarios that we've seen, I'd love to hear a few of them. Yeah, I mean, that, once again, that's a long conversation. We've had a lot. I'm on the working group as well as talking to the coaches. And 
there's so many, but the, the most important thing is Clay hinted towards and talked about very specifically, what is the safest way to go about doing what we want to do? And we have to have processes that we that are vetted by our medical professionals and then we have to have contingency plans. So we start with what makes the most sense, what's the best way to do what we're gonna do. If you have a, a completely open campus, that's one thing. If you have a partially open campus, what can you do with your students and your student athletes? Um, how can we get them back in the weight room? What's the process of being, bringing people back together anyway? What's the quarantine look like? What does the, what does the testing look like? Uh, many of us believe that the testing is gonna be different two months from now than it is now. Um, the, the, the rapid diagnostic testing is something that's got to be vital to us reincorporating people back into one area, one small area. If someone is, does test positive, we got to find out quickly and isolate them very quickly. Um, so those things have to be in place before we can go to step two. Um, but at the same time, we have to talk about step one, step two, step three, step four, in order to be ready for uh, the eventuality of us getting back together. And if something does happen, we have to have talked about it met about it, talk to professionals about it, and have a process in place for whatever happens when we start to reincorporate, reincorporate our people back on campus. Yeah, I mean, there's so much just on the front end, Coach Helton, but do you guys talk about like even the back end too of, okay, well, what would the playoff look like? It, should it be expanded if we only play nine conference games? What's up with the draft? Like, are those conversations happening or is it just all about like, how do we just get to step one right now? No, those conversations have been had. You know, I, we're all optimistic as, as coaches. I think we're half, half class full people, and we're optimistic about a season. We don't know what that timing is of, of a start date, and we don't know the structure. But we've been talking about all different scenarios, uh, about uh, the opportunity maybe to start in on time, the opportunity maybe it's pushed back, you know, the opportunity maybe it's more of an abbreviated conference schedule. Um, what does the playoff look like? All those discussions are being had not only with the, with in conference meeting with the head coaches, but the commissioners and the NCAA to put together the best structure we can uh, for a season. I think at the end of the day, you know, what I've taken away from coaches is I think we're all going to have a tremendous gratitude, whatever that structure is, to be able to play the game that we love and to feel fortunate enough that if we're in that scenario, that this virus and this crisis has been put a little bit further behind us. And so I think there's a, a, a amount of gratitude that goes to having the opportunity to play the game that we love. Uh, we'll find out probably six to eight weeks from now what a clearer picture is of that start date, that structure, how the end of the season is, that relationship with the NFL and how it plays into that and to their timeline and calendar. But right now there is a lot of unknown, uh, but the discussions and the meetings are happening weekly, uh, uh, hourly, to be honest with you, uh, about what that looks like. Yeah, so many smart people in the room. Coach Rollo, up where you live, I believe there's only been 19 cases in the county which you guys reside. What's the process been like regarding being in the state you're in, yet at the region you're in, COVID-19 has not overtaken it like it has in other parts of the Pac-12 footprint? No, it, it hasn't, which has been a, a blessing for the people here and our students that are still here. Um, it's just one of the strange realities of our current situation is some areas are affected more. And state lines, you know, um, trump kind of regions, I think, at this point. So, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're all in with Washington. And, and, you know, I think everyone's trying to do the right thing. We've just been, you know, we haven't had it as bad as some other regions of, of the West Coast. 
you know, unfortunately, Coach Rolla, you haven't been able to go to the spring meetings in person. So I got to ask the two guys that have been in the conference for a while, have you, you given any advice to Coach Rolo in his first year coming into this conference? Don't give me that ninth green at 9 p.m. <laughs> deal. I know that trick already. Uh, well, I'll say, I'll say this. Uh, you know, I, I thought what an unbelievable hire by Washington State, you know, to have a Mike Leach that's an offensive-minded, brilliant guy, big personality. And soon as Rolo was hired, it was like, wow, what a what an awesome fit. You know, you're talking about an extremely brilliant offensive guy uh, that has uh, also a, a personality that's big, that relates to kids. And as soon as you saw that go across the wire, you were like, man, that's a really neat hire. That's a really good fit. So, Rolo, don't change, man. Be yourself, just like Coach <laughs> said. You, you, you got there for a reason, being you. Do Thanks, the same bro. thing, Appreciate buddy. That. I love it. Coach Shaw? I would just say go after all those records, man. All those Mike Leak records, man. Break them all. <laughs> you know, pre preferably, preferably against Clay and not me. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and break them all. I love that. All right, so Coach Rolo, I got to ask. And Coach Shaw and Coach Shaw, you may know this already, but in your previous job, uh, at least the legend is that you'd show up at media days, which will be virtual here this year in the Pac-12, but you would show up at media days and you would bring a gift for every coaching staff, for every head coach from yeah. the region which you came from. Do you plan on doing it at the Pac-12? And if so, can we get a little insight into what you might be gifting these two other head coaches? Well, I think it was a really – I think it was, it was a small thing, but the coaches that bought in, it really gave us a camaraderie, I think, that Coach Shaw spoke about, um, about this conference already. Um, and it helped us uplift the whole conference, I think. And um, I would probably bring – I would probably bring some Cougar Gold cheese if I was going to do it this year. But um, guys got into it, and I think it kind of lightened it up a little bit and kind of gave us all kind of a human um, element that maybe we're not always able to, to put out there. So it was, it was good. And when, when we get back to, to meeting in person, I think we'll get something going. All right. I love that. Well, I got an idea for you. I busted this out. I got my, I brought my, got, a, got a hat. And then I figured a little tape, just like you did, right there. all around town, right? I mean, I, I saw you do that on, on the internet, Coach. That was great. Uh, but overall, guys, we could talk forever. There's a ton of detail. This thing flew by. I know the rest of the media is standing by over, I believe, 100 members are here. So I'll get out of the way, and Dave Hirsch will be bringing you questions from different media members. Dave, take it away. All right, thanks, thanks, Yogi. All right, we'll go ahead and take questions from the media. And again, if you have a question, please select the raise hand tab at the bottom of the screen to put you in the queue, and then we'll go ahead and take the questions. So the first one up will be Dennis Dodd. Dennis, go ahead. Okay, can you hear me, guys? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I guess for, for Clay and, and David, what, uh, I don't know what the, the verb is, but what level, level of concern do you have that uh, you know, California will be open in time, along with everyone else, to to start the season in concert. Uh, well, I can go first, Dave, if that's okay. I, um, you know, obviously there, there's a, a lot of unknown out there, and like I said earlier, uh, Dennis, I really think we're going to get a lot clearer picture about six to eight weeks from now. You know, uh, we all are glass half full guys. I think we're all optimistic in having the opportunity uh, to play a season um, and just not knowing, you know, what that start date looks like or what that structure looks like. Um, the one thing that uh, I have been encouraged by about all our meetings um, has been, you know, the discussions have been on a national scope. Everybody's got a different situation. Everybody could have 
you know, the opportunity to be back on campus with volunteer workouts or, or, or you know, some of us are, are still going through stay-at-home uh, orders. We're all in different scenarios, but the one thing I've been very appreciative of in the discussions has been the opportunity to start all together um, and just not knowing when that start date is or, or what that structure is going to look like. But I think we're all optimistic as the NCAA and as coaches to have that opportunity to play together. Yeah, David. Yeah, uh, Clay said it really well, and I, I've been encouraged also by, although our governor has been probably uh, one of the most outspoken and, and aggressive um, governors in the, in the nation, uh, he's also been in great communication with other states as well, to where, to Oregon and Washington in particular, and trying to trade ideas and talk about different things, um, and hopefully there are some regional things that do happen as we get closer to uh, the start of football to where uh, most of our states, if not all of our states on the West Coast, can kind of be on a similar timeline. Um, but at the very least, it's, it's comforting to know that they've been in communication. All right, we'll go to the next one. We'll go to Elliot Allman. Go ahead, Elliot. Hi, I can, uh, hopefully you can hear me. I think I am. Um, good afternoon. Thanks for taking time, everybody. Uh, David, I uh, would like to ask you, you uh, identify some of the issues with recruiting. Um, every, everything kind of because of the lockdown, you can't have these face to face. You can't travel to campuses and see the kids, and you're you're maybe having to sign guys sight unseen. What are, what have been some of the issues for you on this? Well, you hit on a couple big ones. Um, you know, not being able to. Uh, talk to people face-to-face. -face. Um, I think, especially in our conference, uh, we've got some unbelievable campuses and um, not being able to bring people on campus and show them around campus and show them where their dorms are going to be and show them the, the football aspect and the academic aspect, uh, in particular for a place like Stanford, which we think that's a strong suit for us, um, for, for the, the entire student athlete and being able to be on campus with all these great people. That's, that's something that we've missed. So I think all of us have gotten really good at Zooming, um, FaceTiming, et cetera, uh, being able to give them some kind of an experience with uh, all, of our, all of our people on campus, both our, our, our football staff and our, and our faculty. So um, that's been a challenge for us to make sure that we can still show all parts of our, of our, of our experience, athletic and academic, to our prospective student athletes. So I think it's forced all of us to be pretty, get some ingenuity, um, be a little forward thinking, think a little bit outside the box, off, outside of some of our comfort zones, right? Most of us in the coaching profession hadn't heard of Zoom before a month ago, and now we're all experts. Uh, so I think we've all had to adapt uh, and adjust and make the most of the situation. Thank you. All right, next question we'll go to uh, Pete Arbogast. Go ahead, Pete. Let's see. Am I unmuted now? Am I okay? You're okay. You're good to go. Awesome. Hi, guys. How you doing? Uh, I wonder if anybody has ever brought up a, a scheduling idea that I thought of from back in World War II. I'm not that old, but I know of it, where uh, we, we eliminate non-conference games and play all 11 conference games uh, against the 11 conference teams uh, and then go to the championship game. Is that something that's been brought up? Yeah, I, I can answer. Um, yes, it, it's it's been discussed in our Pac-12 meetings, um, and it's been discussed by the commissioners at 
that is one of the the many structures uh, as we as we go through this situation in this crisis that uh, the possibility of a all conference schedule um, that's that is one of the structures under discussion depending on where we are at you know six to eight weeks from now but uh, those are those are viable discussions and it has been brought up in our meetings. And I'll throw on top of that, as Clay mentioned too, a little bit earlier, and that affects our bulls, that affects the CFP. So these are all big, big conversations that we have in our conferences, but also are going to take uh, Mr. Hancock and his group, the CFP, to really find out how, how best to, to finish this hopefully great college football season. Okay, next question will go to Ryan Carty. Go ahead, Ryan. Thanks guys for taking our questions. Um, for all three of you, uh, you know, the notion of playing in empty stadiums has been a scenario that's, that's been discussed for a lot of other sports. Uh, college football obviously is, is pretty different in many ways from professional sports. How reasonable do you, do you guys think that would be to be able to play a game in an empty college football stadium? And what would be your biggest logistical concern in terms of keeping players safe, especially when you know, it would be an admission that it might not be safe to have fans in the stands in that sense. Go start, Rolo. Uh, what do you want to know, Ryan? I think it would save a lot of time on silent count practice. There's one. <laughs> uh, I think in general, if we feel it's safe enough to play, then I'd like to play. I, I don't – Necessarily, I know that the fans is the is part of the experience. It's also part of the financial model. So, um, but that's not in my job description. So we're just trying to hopefully get some games this fall. Yeah, you know, Ryan, I, I think that the one thing again, I, I've been very appreciative in all our talks with the Pac-12 as well as the NCA and all the doctors is the health and priority uh, has been priority. I mean, health and safety of our student athletes has been priority one in the whole time. There's going to be a time period. We don't know when that's going to be, when we, we can be back together as 110 men and staff members on top of that and go play the game we love. And I think when we're given the opportunity, whenever that time is, I think all of us as coaches, players, we're going to be grateful. Uh, don't know the start date of that. Don't know the structure. Don't know if it's going to have fans or, or not fans. That's the unknown. But I know we're going to be grateful to be able to play the game we love, and meaning that the virus is probably a little bit further behind us. When's the when's the grand day of celebration? The grand day of celebration is when we're all back together. You know, when we're part of part of college football is the passion of the fans, and we love that. And that's going to be the celebration, whatever that time point is, when we're all back together in a, in a safe environment uh, to be able to all enjoy uh, the game. But I think, like I said earlier, I think when we do get the opportunity to put the ball down in a safe atmosphere, we're, there's just going to be a, a sense of gratitude among coaches and players um, that we get to play this game that we love. Okay, next question will come from Leo Haggerty. Go ahead, Leo, your line's open. Gentlemen, gentlemen thanks for doing this today. Appreciate it. Uh, same question for all three of you. Start with Coach Rolovich and go south. Probably in your coaching career, you've never been away from your teams for this long for personal contact. What's the main thing you're really worried about when you finally get your team back together? 
making sure that we give them enough time to get physically ready for a season. That's one of the things for me. Um, I actually think this, the positives of this, because these guys don't get a lot of time away from their, or away from the building with their family. I think we were going to try to find a way to get them a few more weeks um, with their families. And they got a little bit more than we talked about, but I think it's given them a good opportunity to reset, see what's, what, why they're really doing it. And, uh, but for me, it's, it's them getting back and make us as coaches and administrators, making sure they have enough time to get physically ready for a football season. Yeah, I would echo that sentiment also, uh, making sure that they're uh, physically ready, uh, making sure in the process before we even get there that our guys have the same community feeling that they had when they left. And I'm um, talking to psychiatr- psych- psychologists and a lot of different people that this has been a tough time for a lot of guys and trying to make sure that, yes, we're talking football when we get back to them, but at the same time that they know that we care about them, that um, you know, we're glad they're with their families, but they miss their guys. They miss that, that camaraderie and still trying to find ways to do that and keep that up. Uh, make sure they know that we care about them and that they're a big part of us and we're a big part of them. Um, so that we, when we get back together, we, we can all be physically healthy and, and mentally, emotionally healthy as well. Yeah, I, I think David and, and Rolo hit the nail on the head. It's the amount of time period between when it's safe enough to, for a whole 110 men to come back together with staff and the amount of time period that you're given even prior to a training camp to be able to, one, get your, get your kids in physical, functional football shape um, you know, prior to a training camp so you don't have soft tissue injuries, so you, so you don't have joint injuries, um, to prepare them, whether it's walkthroughs, strength and conditioning, OTAs, whatever you want to call it, those weeks that it's going to take to get them in functional football shape prior to going to a training camp that is uh, very fast and very physical. Um, that time period, it does take time uh, before you go and start a season. And uh, that's been the nature of a lot of our discussions and our meetings is, again, the health and safety of the player uh, and appreciative for that. But that's a big part uh, when we come back is their preparation for a season. All right, next question. We'll do a follow-up for Dennis Dodd. Go ahead, Dennis. Um, putting a new patio in, so excuse me if you can't hear. Um, wanted to ask all, all three coaches what, you know, what they considered in their own minds to be, I guess, a legitimate playoff. You know, if there's only half the conferences participating, um, is that valid? If only some of the schools from some of the conferences are playing, is that valid? What? What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, depending on what the schedule looks like, depending on how many people are playing, depending on who you're playing. If we go to an, a conference-only schedule, then how do you compare conference to conference? Um, that's why there have been a lot of discussions about for this year, do we expand the playoff? Because we're not really going to know how to, how to whittle this thing down to four. Um, yeah. Whoever wins these conferences gets a gets an automatic bid. Um, if we're able to play twelve games somehow, some way, you know, great, and it'll work its way out. So, with so many unknowns, that's like we talked earlier. I think talking about all the scenarios is really the only way that we're going to have any idea. But if we're able to play twelve and we can stay status quo, that's great. Many of us believe it's not going to be twelve, and it's not may not even start on time. So, those other factors are going to affect 
um, however uh, the, the, the bowl season looks and as well as the, the, the playoff. Yeah, that's been all our discussions. It's, it's all dictated on the structure of the regular season, um, whether it's a 12-game or abbreviated, uh, that uh, makes the change in bowl or playoff structure. So um, I think, the um, like we've talked about in our meetings, just the structure of the regular season will dictate the postseason uh, in a lot of its discussion. Nick? In my mind, I'm planning on playing Utah State game one, so I don't really – I don't think too much. I don't have a comment really about that other thing you asked about. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about, you know, going with the 12 we got until they tell me differently. David, I know you're on some of these committees. Have you, have you guys had any direct conversations with uh, Bill Hancock? I have not personally. I know the, the commissioners um, have had initial conversations, and I think those conversations will – advance uh, as clay said especially in the next month and a half where where the season looks like it's going so um, that's a little bit of, bit of bigger offices than ours have to deal with that to a certain degree um, but uh, yeah I know those conversations have at least started but I think they'll get hot and heavy in about a month and a half okay thank you yep all right we'll take one more question we'll go to Jesse Morrison your line is open Hi, um, this is for anyone who wants to take it, but uh, Mark Emmert said that uh, he needs to see um, campuses open, you know, for class and everything before he sees any sports. Um, I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on um, on that that comment that he made. I think where we are is the definition of a fluid uh, situation. Um, I think every state as Robo mentioned earlier, is going to be different. Um, every campus is going to be different. And um, I think that's a great sentiment, um, but I don't know that that's going to rule the day when it's all said and done. Um, I think the, the, the president of the United States is going to have a, a weigh-in. I think every state governor is going to have a weigh-in. I think every president, provost, chancellor is going to have a, a weigh-in. Um, you know, there may be a scenario to where campuses are partially open. And if we can bring back athletes and bring back a section of the students, student body, that may not be exactly what Mr. Emmer was talking about, but that may be good for a certain university. And if they feel they're comfortable and ready to resume part of their normal activities and still field teams to, for, for fall sports, not just football, um, then I think that's going to be, that's going to be acceptable. So um, we'll see. Once again, this is extremely fluid. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.